Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today, we talk brainstorms with UX designer Brian. Let's go. First question. You thought you'd see everyone's idea in the team brainstorm, but you've got a grand total of one. Drawing Board or Miro Board? Drawing Board, right? Because in Miro, the team can add ideas now or later. And with Privacy Mode, we can keep them anonymous until they're good to share. Correct. Next, you need the best way to explain your idea, but all you have is a few sticky notes. Drawing board or Miro board? Drawing board, because, you know, in Miro, I could record videos, add text, images, links, and digital sticky notes, of course, present my thoughts the way I want. Right again! Now, you're looking for a past idea you thought was just genius. Only you could find... Oh, there it is. Drawing board or... Miro. Our finished and unfinished work lives in one place. And he's won. Join over 60 million people getting ideas noticed in Miro Brainstorms. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. This is Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network in conjunction with the Sampson Family Foundation, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. Now here's Ralph and your host, Mac McDonald. Welcome in Center Court Winter Circle Network, a football theme today. I'll tell you about our guest in just a little bit. Ralph Sampson's here. And Ralph, you know, the business of football in the NFL has just been crazy. Uh, and the way, you know, the last couple of days and the Brian Flores story and the Hugh Jackson story, and not to mention Tom Brady, I'm not going to retire. I'll know when I know. And then 12 hours later, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm going to retire. <laughs> you know, so the NFL, uh, you know, has been just absolutely crazy the last couple of days. And Tom Brady's story, Mac, is like, okay, great. Let the, let the guy get away from it. Let him do it how he wants to do it. Somebody leaked it and it was all over. Somebody wanted to be first to leak it. And then he, you know, does it in his own way. But uh, I'm actually glad he did it early instead of waiting months and months and months and months. And everybody wondered what he's going to do. Because yeah. I think if he'd have waited longer, he probably would have stayed in the NFL another year. I think he has, I think he has the ability to stay one more year. But you know, he knows when it's time. I mean, he, he knows his body, his wife, his kids. He knows when it's time. So kudos to Tom Brady. You know, you got to be the best seven Super Bowls. Some teams in the NFL have one Super Bowl, no Super Bowls. He's got seven. So he's got to be, the, the, yeah. as they call it, the GOAT of the NFL. But uh, I'm mean, very impressed with what he's done in, in, in his playing career. But I want you to see what he do after. And yeah. It's going to be more, more fun. No, good point. Bill Belichick, yeah, and Bill Belichick, his former coach, said greatest player ever in the NFL. Yes. So some high claims. So with that, the transition, since we're talking NFL, last week, the Washington football team, after 18 months of research, going through names and trademarks and marketing, they are the commanders. What was your reaction to the nickname? Uh, so, so, Mac, commanders, I hear they built a new stadium in Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> So are they going to be a Washington team or the Virginia team? 
uh, I was watching the news and some a veteran out there said, Commander, I like the name because in, 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 in the veteran world, you got commanders so we can lead on the football field. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's a football name that I would even like. I, I, you got to get used to that. So yeah, uh, it's going to be funny to see that, right? Totally, because everybody thinks the Redskins. You, you cannot get right. over the Redskins. And, right. They wanted the a military. In the history. It just, yeah, it just doesn't they, work. They wanted a military tie. And uh, if that wasn't funny enough, before the press conference, when they were trying to keep it a secret, a news helicopter with a camera circled above the stadium and shot video inside the souvenir store at the Washington <laughs> at FedEx field the commanders and, and the commanders, you know, it was, our, yep. so it was the worst kept secret in, uh, in Washington, DC where secrets are supposed to be, uh, top anyway. secret, right? Yeah, top top secret. Secret. Our, that way. our guest today is, is going to be Matt Schaub, uh, coming up and, and Matt, if there was a Mount Rushmore in Charlottesville for UVA and you had to select four people, you and Matt would have to be two of them because he had 22 records, played under Al Grau, you know, was a UVA icon his senior year, player of the year in the ACC. So you and you and Shab would fill two spots of that four-person Mount Rushmore on the grounds. Wow, I, to pick the other two, ooh, the, the, we, we, we're going to have to debate that, I think. <laughs> well, you, you, you can debate it, but, I mean, he's definitely uh... – uh, up there as well, you know Ryan Zimmerman we had on here. He, Ooh, he's got to yes. be somewhere in, in the okay. running, you know, as well. Bruce you know, Arena, of the world. Bruce you know I mean? Arena, he, right, right. <laughs> you, you got a lot from a coaching standpoint to a player, but yeah, I don't know if you can just pick four, Mac. It, it'd, it'd be tough to do what you did, and, and, and we we should think about that. Do do a show or something with sure. the Virginia's route Mount Mount Rushmore. I mean, you know, get all yeah. Four we have to probably do players, stuff. coaches. We probably have to celebrate right, the right. mountain. So and that's exactly cool. exactly. All right, when Ralph and I come back, Matt Schaub is going to join us. NFL player with the uh, with the Ravens and the Raiders, of course, Falcons and Houston Texans were his two uh, top teams. Seventeen years in the NFL. We'll talk to Matt when we come back. This is Center Court on the Winter Circle Network. Hi, this is Mac McDonald, host of Center Court. I've known Ralph Sampson for over 40 years. I watched him grow as a basketball player, achieving greatness at the University of Virginia and at the professional level. I always admired his work ethic and the things he did to be the best. Since he founded the Sampson Family Foundation, so many people, young and old, have benefited from Ralph's efforts. The mission for the foundation is simple, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. The foundation promotes charitable and community input, educational development, health and fitness, and scholarship opportunities. The Samson Family Foundation's initiatives focus on patients with cancer, educational scholarship programs, and give students guidance in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. If you'd like to learn more, call 540-615-5097. The website is samsonfamilyfoundation.org. Uplift, empower, educate. It takes teamwork to make the dream work. Pocket holds up, hits his man, Owen Daniels, Daniels, touchdown Texans, what an effort, great fake, Shaw, deep ball, Owen Daniels, touchdown Texans. The Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation present Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball star Ralph Sampson. Again, here's Ralph and Mac. 
Welcome into Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network. And our guest today, a guy we've known for a long time, and he hasn't aged a day. Well, 17 years in the NFL. Maybe he's aged a day or two, Ralph, uh, but he still looks like he could play. Matt Schaub is our guest, former Cavalier, former Houston Texan, former Raider, Raven, and uh, Atlanta Falcon uh, when, the, when the Falcons took him. So, Ralph, this is a good this is good timing since we have a Super Bowl right around the corner, huh? Yeah, it's the week between the Super Bowl, Mike. So, you know, I always like, let's just get to the Super Bowl. Well, I got to wait another week and then get a law and then everybody's practicing. But I guess the bodies need to be rejuvenated, right, Matt? I mean, when you got that two-week period, I mean, everybody's tired of season, so everybody's hurting. So what's your opinion? Because, you you know, you expert 17 years. I had you good 17 years in it in, in, in the NFL. That's I mean, that's just amazing. But anyway, thanks for joining us and how you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks, guys, for having me on. And I gotta go back to your intro. And 17 years playing NFL football didn't age me nearly as much as five children <laughs> under the age of 12. So uh, I'll start there. But uh both both of which are I'm doing what I love to do. But you know, I was fortunate to to last 17 years and uh, you know, my take on the whole week in between the championship weekend and the Super Bowl, having been to one Super Bowl myself in 2016 with the Atlanta Falcons is, you know, until you go through it, you don't realize how much stuff as far as just getting tickets in order, rooms, family, travel, all these things, just logistically that you have to get in, get ironed out would be really hard to do from a Sunday evening game to basically Wednesday morning when you're going to start your game week. And so, and plus they want to give all the coaches enough time to prep and get kind of game plans ironed out. So there's all so much that goes into it that that week is pretty important. And I think it's good for the game and good to have the pro bowl kind of, you yeah, know, in that intermediate time. Matt was part yeah. of the, uh, that Super Bowl 51 that probably, doesn't he doesn't want to talk about but just the fact that you know you were with Matt Ryan who just is a great great quarterback a great guy um but that that Super Bowl probably one of the most amazing games ever played you know forget you guys you know not being able to win it but the way it unfolded with the Patriots Super 51 will be remembered I think forever yeah I mean I I definitely think you're it's going to be shown for a long time um when they replay Super Bowls and comebacks and just drama that was being played out in, in real time. And, you know, the way we had been playing for the month of December and January, I mean, we were rolling as a football team in the first three quarters of that game. It was much the same. I mean, we went up 21 to three at half, got it to 28 to three. And then with about two minutes and some change in the third quarter, it just someone flipped the switch and, we couldn't stop them defensively, and we gave up a turnover in our own end and then, you know, missed out on making it a two-score game with four minutes left. Once we got into field goal range, we had a penalty and a sack, and, you know, it was a perfect storm. And Tom Brady was Tom Brady, and, you know, so many plays that went into it, and one that's played, and it will be played <laughs> when this game's talked about is Julian Edelman's catch down the middle right. for like a 30-yard gain when we, our guy tipped it three guys, four guys diving forward, and he barely got his hands underneath that ball. Um, who knows what would have happened if that play didn't happen? Do would they have enough time to get down the field? I don't know. But, you know, it was it was a great game. It was just unfortunate that uh, we fell short. So, so obviously a Super Bowl or a, a big hype game, you know, everybody plays better, right? It's, it's, it's hyped up. It's the, the main stage. But Tom Brady, I mean, your opinion, 
I mean, everybody's opinion of him. He was not drafted high. He gets in a game like that, and they're losing. So how does he come back? I mean, I, I know you, you watch it like we all do, but he's done that quite a few times in his career, but he's played a long yeah. time as well. But when you're sitting on the sideline that, like that, and then you look at, like, are you everybody's nervous because it's Tom Brady, because he got a good football team. What is it like to be in that situation since he's now retired uh, officially, right? Because he went unofficially to officially. <laughs> but uh, and, and I don't know if he's still retired. He might come back, right? But who, who knows? But what, what does that feel like? It, you know, it's it's tough because when you're when you're in that environment, and the thing about it, and obviously I was backing up Matt Ryan, so I wasn't on the field, but playing and having played in some big games, um, so much is hyped around it, and there's so much that goes into it mentally, physically, and trying to make the big things small and just focus, focus on the details and the fundamentals, right? I mean, just like when, in your basketball careers, just don't make things too big, right? Try to right. just go back to what got you there and be fundamental about it. And for us as a football team, we just, once we got a lead, we're like, all right, we got to keep our foot on the gas. We can't give up anything. And um, it things snowballed. And especially when you have an offense like that with Tom, you know, and I think that's something that he always had, does really well and has a, I have a great appreciation for how he approaches the game for the length of time that he did was that he just stayed true to his fundamentals and stayed true to you know who he was as a player and just find completions when well, you're not going to get 25 points in one drive you're right. going to have to chip away you just got to complete one ball then complete the next ball get a first down get a sec get it across midfield then you know find yourself in the end zone and and that's what he did he just focused on what was right in front of him and I think this is a good testament to anyone in any sport, any endeavor in life, you know, just focus on what's right in front of you and put one foot in front of the other. You can't get to the end goal without taking a lot of steps throughout the process. No, that's, uh, that's terrific. Ralph has been through it. You've been through it. Brady announces this week. How difficult is it? You know, you had the 17 seasons, uh, Ralph, I'd have to count them again, uh, in the NBA, how difficult is it to retire and to walk away from a sport you've been playing since probably Pop Warner? You know, what was interesting is, you know, you know, deciding I, what my contract was up with the Falcons. I had been and done enough kind of been moving around the last five, six years. Now, the last couple I was in Atlanta, but we were grounded. I met my wife here back before I went to Houston. And so our family's nearby and, um, you know, new coaching staff coming into Atlanta. And so I knew where I was in my career. So to be able to say, you know what, it's time for the next chapter and make that decision on my own and not have, a, you know, try to find a team and no one wants me and, you know, basically <laughs> let them decide, you know, I wanted to go out on my own terms. And, you know, I had reached the point that, you know, I was content with what I've been able to do with the helmet on and I was ready to tackle other things. And with five kids at home, you know, I've been busy. Uh, but it's been neat to have weekends off this fall different, but neat to be able to coach mm. my son's baseball a little bit more and see my girls do, you know, activities and things that they're doing, but I'm not going to lie. Weekends were hard. And my wife will tell you that, you know, watching college football, not, you know, going to walk through on Saturday mornings, getting on the plane, being right. in the hotel and, you know, game days, Saturdays and Sundays were hard Monday through Friday. Not so much. I didn't miss those <laughs> days. I sure didn't miss training camp, but you miss, you miss those things. And it's real talk that, um, you know, you miss the little things. You don't necessarily miss the, you know, the peripheral things you miss the, the guys, the locker room, things like that. Well, I'm sure two things. One, I'm sure the wife was glad you were home 
taking kids to school and <laughs> doing daddy duty and gave her a break with five kids. I do understand that. But well, she 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 did, but also, you know, I also knew my role. Like, look, I can't mess up the morning routine, right? I gotta just ease right. my way into this. Ease your I don't way in. Yeah, you you're the, rookie. the you're the rookie at home. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. You're the at home. You know? That is crazy. Yeah, but that, that I do understand it, Phil, when you know it's final, you know this is the last one, the last plane trip, the last game. You don't really think that until you, like Tom, you get away from it and you think that as well. So it took me a year or so to kind of get comfortable with retiring from the NBA. But also, even today, when October comes, my body and my, my mind, for sure, my body may not feel like I got to go back to playing. Do you still have those excitement feels? And when you watch a game, as you just mentioned, right, and your body feel like it's time to play or it's time for me to yeah. go back to playing. But all of a sudden, I can't. Then you're like, okay, what am I going to do next? So – We'll get in that back in a second, but how did that feel? And then what are you doing today? Yeah, so I definitely have the that mindset. You know, I still, you know, I, every now and then when I'm out with the kids, I'll just start dropping back like I'm I'm dropping back from center. <laughs> you know, I still I'm still used to that. It's like just doing things straight ahead, like whether I go for a run or work out or whatever I'm doing. I'm used to being lateral and working, you know, dropping back. But yeah, I mean, I pick up a ball and, and when I'm watching games, it's like I'm playing, you know. Madden on you know whatever <laughs> Xbox or something like I'm talking the game I'm like Here, here's what we're trying to do I'm thinking through all the things that I would be if I was playing and so I think that's hard to ever turn off obviously it's still so fresh in my mind but yeah I mean I watch games through a lens of still playing yes, and, yes, definitely. you know phys physically I think I still could I stayed as ready as I could all season just in case you never know if some team needs me to come in and they're on a playoff chase and their guy gets hurt maybe they need me to come in and fill in for a few weeks so I, I stayed ready but my mindset I knew I was done and I knew that during the season back in 2020 so I was I had there's enough buildup mentally that I was preparing myself for that. Now, what I'm doing now is I'm working on a few things, but I just wanted to enjoy one fall where I didn't have a lot on my plate. Right, right. Knowing you the way I do and how analytical <laughs> you were about the game. In fact, I have a picture behind me in my office still of you sitting teaching me cover three. So, you know, yeah. I'll never I'll never forget that night. It was very valuable to me as a broadcaster. But somebody had to say to you, Matt, what do you think? Headset? sideline coach our quarterbacks somebody would probably want you to coach right have you answered that question uh well i have in the short term um <clears throat> after the 2020 season and you know it may it was made public you know through arthur blank the owner of the atlanta mm -hmm. falcons that you know i was going to be done um <clears throat> i had a few phone calls well i had one phone call that <clears throat> was from a former coach that uh said are you sure and I was like, well, yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Because once you have that thought in your head, to me, it's hard to go the other way, right? Because you can't jump into the pool with just – you can't put your toe in the water. you got to right. jump in. And I, I was done. And then I had another coach call and want me to coach quarterbacks. And then I had another one. I had two actually call me right away and want me to come in and coach. But I was too fresh. I couldn't, I couldn't do that to my family or my wife right away. So I haven't taken that off of the table because, you know, I've been around enough coaches and it's a tight knit group that, you know, I'll never rule that out if it's the right fit. I'm not, I don't want to go chase something, you know, somewhere I don't want to be, but I won't take that off the broadcasting thing. I've looked into it's weird because networks seem to be paring down with everything going on the last two years rather mm -hmm. than expanding. And there's only so many chairs, right? There's only right, so many right. seats, so many games. So 
it's it's tough to necessarily break into that mold without having any prior experience. So, you know, there's not many guys like Tony Romo that are getting uh, that type situation. So, right, right. Uh, you know, I'm keeping my options open with that as well as some other things. Um, so we'll see what the road where where it leads coming up. You know, I didn't play so good one game, and you know, it took me out, and then the next week you know he's looked at me he's like you know how are you going to bounce back from this you're going to go in the tank or are you going to you know fight back and you know I just told him I'm going to fight back but that's all I said I was like you know I'm not going to talk about what I'm going to do I want to show you and I just told him you know you put me in the next time you're not going to take me back out you know sure enough you know that didn't happen <laughs> you're listening to center court with hall of fame basketball player Ralph Sampson once again here's Ralph and Mac Welcome back, Center Core Winter Circle Network. Our guest, a holder of 22 University of Virginia records, Matt Schaub, who played in the early 2000s and played under a guy, Ralph, that uh, I know you know. Ralph has always been very vocal about uh, the Terry Hollands of the world and the, and the Roger Burgies of the world. who coached him in high school. Uh, Matt, I've heard you say it a couple of times, but I'm going to let you say it on this show. How much did Al Grow affect your, your change as far as attitude and basically – a guy that set 22 records. How did, yeah. how did Al Grove change your, change your life? Yeah. I mean, he was vital, very impactful to me as a, you know, up and coming redshirt sophomore at Virginia and, you know, being in a battle for the position for the, for the starter, you know, but here's a guy that comes in following George Walsh's long tenure um, as the head coach, you know, here's a guy from the NFL brings in offensive coordinator, Bill Musgrave, who had coached in the NFL, played a long time at the position. So the resources there for, for myself or any one of us on the team that wanted to aspire to the, be at the next level, I mean, go in and sit down once a week and talk with your coach and, you know, pick his brain and find out, you know, how it, how it works, how to be a pro within the, you know, student athlete forum, but be mm -hmm. a pro if that's your goal. And, you know, we had so many conversations about that and how to be an effective quarterback and, and what's important for the team. And, you know, just, you know, just teaching your team like, hey, each day I'll be ready. Just you do your job. I will handle my job. And, you know, we'll find ourselves in the game in the fourth quarter and we'll find a way to win. And, you know, there are so many of those things and his little sayings and little <laughs> things that he anecdotes that he would use that still stick with me and resonate with me today. And I still keep in contact with Coach Grow and, um, you know, I owe a lot of my development in college and then early in my NFL career to, to his development and his, the way he pushed us as, as players, um, you know, you either loved him or you hated him. I mean, there are a lot of guys that didn't, didn't, didn't gel with coach grow, but you know, there were a lot of us that did because he was all about football. Obviously he, you know, his role with the university and I, you know, he had that too, but he was all about football and he had a little placard on his desk, just coach the team. You know, and, and, you know, he lived by that credo. And, and you know, if you love football, you really got along with Coach Grow. And I loved football. And mm -hmm. so he was instrumental in, in, you know, molding me and pushing me because it wasn't easy, right? I mean, his first year, I, I alternated with Bryson Spinner and we went back and forth and played about half the time, to, uh, you know. And then when Bryson left, then my junior year didn't start out like we had hoped against Colorado State. <clears throat> and Marcus Hagans played a game after that. And then, you know, I, I took over and, you know, I'm, you know, he, he still tells the story and, you know, I share from time to time, but it's not to boost my own ego or anything. But I remember after that Florida state game, when I played the second half and um, 
we fought back a little bit, but they had big enough lead. They still won. Uh, but we had a good offensive second half. And I remember before practice the next week and asked me how I was doing and whatever. And, and you know, if I was ready mentally, and I said, coach, when he told me that I was going to play the next game, I was, I was like, you're never going to take me out again. And yeah. he still tells his story. And then he didn't you know, until I got hurt my senior year and hurt my shoulder for a couple games. But, you know, that that was something that that just doesn't happen. You know, you got to you got to go through some stuff. You got to go through some adversity to arrive at that conclusion and say enough's enough. And, you know, I'm done with, you know, wondering what's going to happen if I incomplete this third down or throw an interception, you just got to go out and play. And so I was at that point and, you know, but there was a lot of grooming and a lot of steps that we had to go to get there. Was that grooming somewhere, you know, because in football, you know, they redshirt a lot. Sometimes guys coming in that freshman year, you came in as a you know high school senior, great quarterback, uh, recruited all over the country. Did you think about like today's world that name, image, and likeness in the portal and transferring their freshman year uh, like they would today? And would you have transferred one? But two, what did you do in that freshman year also to become the great quarterback that you that you are and have been? Because that's a, that's a lot of mental stuff in that freshman year as a young 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 guy. Yeah, you know, it's it was so far off. I mean, I don't know how guys do it nowadays with the transfer portal and the name, image, and likeness and what's what's transpiring before our eyes. I mean, it's almost like free agency in the NFL now when guys go on the transfer portal and you're a big name. You know, all these universities they, and, and boosters, they can throw a whole bunch of money at these kids <laughs> and say, come to our school. That was nowhere to be found back in 2000. Yeah, we, we, we missed the boat on that one. We missed the boat on you that know, one. Right, absolutely. We need to go back and do it uh, one more time. <laughs> um, it, it was because you knew if you had if you transferred, you had to sit out a year. Right. And then you can integrate yourself into the team and figure out your your place. But for me, it was, you know, I had made a commitment and I, I was happy where I was. You know, yeah, my redshirt year was 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 difficult. Just I was happy to redshirt because coming from Eastern Pennsylvania, running a wing T offense in high school, <laughs> the, the, the terminology in the offense was so wildly different from anything I had done. So just breaking the huddle in my first camp was a challenge. But the one thing I got the experience of as a redshirt freshman was I still traveled with the team. I was in the hotel at home games on the road in uniform because I was the you know, dummy signal caller. So we had two signal callers next to the guy with the coach with the headset. And one was live, one was the dummy and I was the dummy. So, but I was still part of the game, right? I was still getting the calls. I was still involved. So mentally that was huge for me. And, you know, in prepping myself, you know, for what it's going to take when I did get an opportunity. And, but, you know, that opportunity ended up coming and it, and it was back and forth, but, you know, that helped me get ready to take the reins when it was time. You know, and going back and, and looking at all that and what you had, you know, to go through, but the, the ability to stay with it, was your family in your ear, uh, your mom, your dad, or did you have somebody else in your ear saying, hey, Matt, you got to stick with it. You got to stay with this. You know, don't even think. About and I'm guessing you never even thought of transferring those first two years. No, it was never even a thought. And, you know, no one ever chirped in my ear or said anything. Because honestly, you know, there was at that time, it was not very often you had freshmen going in and playing anywhere. You know, right. there were, there might have been Good two point. or three schools in Division One football that would get a freshman and come because high school offenses weren't even that developed. You know, they weren't running spreads like they are now where kids can come in and play right away. And they're just 
you know, throwing bubble screens and things like that. A lot of that stuff didn't exist back two decades ago. So mm-hmm. uh, it was never a thought. And, and to be honest, my folks, my dad, like they're, they're, they're old school mindset. And, you know, there was a commitment there. So that was never even forced thrust upon me or a thought, you know, I, I was fully committed to Virginia and wanting to be there and, and develop. Cause I did know eventually, you know, I played Dan Ellis was the quarterback there my freshman year. And then after that, or for my first two years, I knew after that I was going to have three years to be able to be the guy. And, you know, one of them, we split me and a, a classmate of mine, Bryson Spinner. But, you know, after that, I knew that it was going to be my opportunity to have a couple years to play. Wow. Ralph, sound familiar? Commitment? Huh? Does that very, mean? very familiar. Very, very familiar. It came from somewhere. I don't know if it, Mike, it came from University Hall somewhere. It came from somewhere. Yeah. But I definitely, uh, definitely in my feet right now. Good. But, but I'll, I'll go back to that, Mike, because, you know, uh, we talk about it all the time, right? When being at UVA and your University Hall, where, you know, you've been to facilities, I'm sure, recently or over the last couple of years that UVA is totally different, right? Than when we went to school. Uh, totally different um, atmosphere with the buildings and the weight rooms, whatever. I mean, I always say that if we'd have had that when we played, we'd have been like five, 10, 15, 20 times better, right? Because we had a, but I won't take away from the camaraderie we had in University Hall running around the, the dome or well, what was your experience there? Because me and Mac talk about it all the time. It's totally different today because every sport's on their own island. Yeah, it is. And, and I think for us and in my time, you know, we had a huge, we had a great close knit group of guys. We really had a bond and a group of guys that really got along, lived together, hung out together, you know, went to class, worked out together. And so um, there at McHugh Center, you know, you're right. That whole area is so different. And it's apparently over the next couple of years, it's going to look even more different with, right. you know, some of the projects they have in the works. But um <clears throat> And, and that's the whole thing is recruiting and keeping up with the Joneses, so to speak, and, and having them all constantly update your facilities. You know, while I was there, I think when I got there, um, Scott Stadium had just finished its renovation to what it looks like now. Um, but the McHugh Center, the weight room was still the same as it had been for, I think, a handful mm-hmm. of years anyway. Um, the indoor facility wasn't there. There was still U-Haul in the cage mm-hmm. and everything. So, I mean, just... But you know what's interesting is, is for me and, and yourself included, it's it's like it's cool to look at what's transpiring now because I feel like it, to some extent I had a background influence right. on those things happening, right? You know, so much – you had some good teams. You obviously had some phenomenal teams at Virginia. and You know, you kind of paved the way and trailblazed, you know, some of the things that are happening now. Would there be an indoor facility if in 2002 and 2003 we didn't win nine games or – you know, generate some of that interest and in, in some of the money then revenue that might be coming in. I don't know, but, um, you know, I like to think I had a hand in on that, but, you know, it's, it's neat to see how it's transformed and Virginia has really just risen, you know, through the ranks and in national prominence. Connor Hughes. This is Center Court, presented by the Winner's Circle Network in association with the Sampson Family Foundation. Welcome back, Winner's Circle Network and Center Court. Uh, great to talk some football with Matt Schaub, former Virginia quarterback and also in the NFL with the uh, Houston Texans and the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, a cup of coffee with the Raiders and the Ravens. And um, how do you view 
the business of the National Football League now. And especially we're in a crazy, crazy time. Forget all the, the coaching things and everything going on. But the business of the NFL, how do you view it as somebody now that can step away? Well, the business of football is a juggernaut, to be honest with you. I mean, just it's the most wildly popular game in the country. And really, you know, yeah, soccer is the a worldwide sport, but you know, football is king, especially in this country. And, and it drives so much of the marketing dollars, the revenue from the TV and, and, you know, all the different platforms and streaming services that are out there. I mean, you, next year, the new 10 year deal for the media rights kicks in. And I mean, that was a $110 billion deal they signed um, just two years ago. Mm-hmm. And you, the, the game, in just the last 11 years, it went from a $9 billion business to a $17 billion and change in just a decade. And they're projecting in the next eight years, it might get to another $10 billion higher to be a $27 to $30 billion business. So it's only going up. And I think it came out that of the top 100 live shows watched this past year, 75 of them were NFL football games. And that just tells you to the, the popularity of the game and how people, with, you know, with fantasy football and, you know, now the gambling aspect of it, just all these things, right. the popularity of it is just ascending and it doesn't seem to, you know, we had a little, there was a little blip in the radar with COVID in 2020, but that was all recovered this past season. I mean, I think about it at the NBA and basketball where, you know, when we played, uh, we didn't have any, um, Logos on the jersey. Now there's logos on jersey. It's $25, $30 million a year for that as well. When, football, you ever see football getting logos on the jersey? I mean, from, from well, from you know, it's funny. You say billion that, 17 billion. It's crazy. I mean, that, that's a it's a big business. I don't know if it'll ever happen on the game jerseys, just because the shield on there, the NFL shield. Um, you know, I don't know if they'll go there, but I remember this was back about 10 years ago. They started putting patches on our practice jerseys, one for training camp and then one for the regular season. They'd switch it. And I, cause I remember, I'm trying to think it might've been here with Atlanta. I remember coming to training camp and, you know, first day of practice and we had a McDonald's logo on our, on our, on our practice jerseys. Now I think it was there. It might've been in Houston for a year. I'm like, we're an NFL football team. We're professional athletes and we're advertising McDonald's on our practice jerseys. This doesn't, something's wrong. A great healthy food, right? (laughs) Right. Like there's a disconnect here and what we're, what we're pushing, but that, you know, that's where it went. I think, I don't know. I don't see it ending up on the game jerseys, but you're right. I mean, all the dollars and cents and, you know, it's funny, break it down on a smaller scale. And I remember as a rookie, this is the eye opening experience in the business of football is, Coming in one day randomly is a, a Wednesday morning, which is our start of our real prep for the, the next game. And the guy whose locker was right next to mine is it's empty and his nameplate's gone. Right. And it's week, week five of the season, right? And it's just the constant changing of your roster and how guys are there one day, gone the next. The practice squad player goes up for one game, then has to clear 48 hours of waivers, and then he's signed back to the practice squad. And you know, just the constant moving of rosters. It's just, you know, that, that was the eye-opening experience because coming from college where there's 120 players and you don't right. ever have to worry about that, you know, it, it's different. Um, so that was my first real, hey, here's the business of the game aspect of it. Could you see yourself as a general manager? That That's definitely something I've played around with and I've had some conversations just to 
find a way to get into some scouting department, right. And, and, you know, start somewhere and have a couple years of learning the ins and outs and nuances of that side of the game, that business side of it. Um, Cause I know, I know the locker room, right. I know what works. I know what doesn't work. I've seen what works. I've seen, I've experienced it. I've seen it, you know, what you need to be successful and where, where guys sometimes, you know, are, are behind the eight ball, you know, that's, that's something that can help. And, you know, the money aspect, the salary cap. Yeah, I can learn that. I understand it, but you know, that's something that I need mm-hmm. a couple of years to learn, but you know, I've thought about that side of it for sure. Cause I want to stay connected. I can't sit around and do nothing. I'm, right. I, I get too antsy. I get too antsy. And, and my wife's, my wife's ready. She's like, all right, you got to find get out the house. To do get out the house. <laughs> right? So, um, you know, but I want to stay connected to the game in some form or fashion because it's, it's been so good to me. And I've met so many, you know, awesome people throughout my years. At the NBA does, you know, I'm I'm trying to get back in the NBA a little bit, Coach Wilder, but it's so, so political right now. But I was in Phoenix and I was with Lance Blanks and we had a guy named Michael Beasley, et cetera. So they brought in a Harvard graduate that didn't know anything about basketball to tell this guy how to do pregame meal and how to be ready for the game before the game. And I was on the bench. I'm like, the game has changed. What is this? Does football do the same thing? How much is it a business and how much is it the sport? Yeah, so much of that has really changed um, the last 10 years. And I think a lot of it is teams want to – I'll get to the analytics in just a second, but Mm -hmm. teams like to have control and they want to be able to have everything in-house for their players and provide those things because, you know, at the end of the day, we're investments for the team and the organization and assets for them. So they want to make sure that we're getting the proper treatment, you know, taking care of ourselves because – you know, when you look at a team and 80% of your roster is under the age of 27, what are they doing for meals when they go home? Right. You know, what are they doing? So there's a lot of dinners now that are offered. And yeah, every team, I think you're you're behind the curve if you don't have a resident dietitian on full-time staff and right. you're curating the meal plans, the food on the plane, the food at the hotel and the chef traveling from the team. And so those things are all there. Having their own massage therapists come in two, three days a week to provide massages. Whereas before 10 years ago, you had to go find them on your own time or teams getting hyperbaric chambers and cryotherapy chambers and just all the things that are out there. When they hear guys going to use them, they're like, well, we need to get one of these. So all of our guys have (laughs) access to it. Then you look at the analytics and that's where the game has really changed. And and I think, I don't know this, but we had one in Baltimore and but they'll have full-time staffs, like four or five guys looking at analytics. And that's what they do all day, every day is just watch clips of game film and develop these percentages. And you should do this. You should go for it on fourth and sixth when it's here. And it's like, I'm old school. I, a lot of those analytics I don't buy into. Right. There I, might I, be I some. There, there, there might be some because there's so many, but the analytics, you know, just play, play the game. And when to go for two or not to go for two, it's not hard. It's not complicated. <laughs> and, you know, when to go for it or not, sometimes there's so many factors that analytics don't take into account, mm-hmm. you know, how you're playing that day, what's the weather, who you're playing, how is the game going, you know, what, is there wind? I mean, you, there's so many things. Yeah, you, you analytics, analytics, they, they, yeah, you, they, you cannot. And so I, to me, like when to decide, okay, if I'm down one, I just scored late in the game with 30 seconds left. Am I going to go for two to try to win it? Or am I going to kick the extra point? I'm kicking the extra point. I'm going right. to tie it. Go Make sure overtime. let's extend, let's extend the game, go to overtime. 
I just, I, I don't, I don't agree with some of those things. And so now, you know, if your season's over, if you're not making the playoffs and you get to that situation, Hey, you know what, let's go for it. Let's try to yeah. end it here. No, you know, we're not going to lose out on anything, but analytics has kind of taken over a lot of decision-making in the NFL. And, you know, whether you agree or disagree, I mean, everyone has their own opinion. Matt, who do you like? Who's your pick? And uh, I'm sure you'll be, you'll be couch side for the Super Bowl. So who do you like? Rams, Bengals, what? Yeah, I mean, I like the Rams. I like what they do. I like uh, the way Matthew Stafford's been playing all year uh, with their weapons and and the way their defense is built. And up front, I mean, it's hard to block them. And if you do, it's hard to block them for, 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 for four quarters. Aaron Donald's one of the best players to ever play the game, and he's a monster. Uh, but you can't go – you know, it's hard to go against Cincinnati. It seems like they're the team of destiny this year. You know, they Joe Burrow's playing amazing and coming off the injury he had last year and their weapons. So it's going to be a, a much better game, just like the Bengals' last two games were. I mean, they they play tough, and their defense plays well together. But I just think the Rams are too much, and they'll, they, they'll, they'll hold them down on, on the defensive side. And, you know, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Cam Akers, you know, they have enough OD, OBJ. I mean, they have – they have enough weapons that it's going to be hard to keep them in check for four quarters. Stick, there's your pick. Matt, I know I speak for Ralph. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Uh, I know you're Appreciate a busy it. guy with a lot going on, and uh, we just wish you all the best and good luck with the football decisions, and uh, maybe we'll see you in the front office very soon. Uh, appreciate you guys having me on. I've got all the time in the world if you guys want to keep talking. We'll do it again. <laughs> tell, tell the wife we said thank you for letting us have you for a couple of like 30 minutes. It's good. It's... Good stuff. Yeah, no problem. Uh, right, for, former Cavalier, former NFL Atlanta Falcon and uh, uh, Houston Texans. Matt Schaub will continue with Center Court and Winter Circle Network right after this. To get into sports casting, you need experience just to get your foot in the door. I can't tell you how many times in my career somebody will ask me, how do I get into your business? How do I become a sportscaster? The first thing I ask is, what have you done? Do you have any experience? And the answer is normally nothing yet. It's because they couldn't find a program that provided the real world experience that you need to get started. So I set out to create a program designed for the next wave of sportscasting talent. And my partner was an obvious one. Full Sail University, great track record in entertainment and media, great alumni group, and the ability to evolve as the industry changes. We're offering a bachelor's degree that combines the professional expertise that my fellow sportscasters and I have built our careers on with the technologies shaping the world of sports. To succeed in this business, you have to be ready for what's next. But the core of great sports casting, I don't think will ever change. And this program brings it all together. The Cavaliers inside the one yard line, the offset eye. Matt Schaub under center, McGrew in motion. Matt Schaub play fake and Matt Schaub under pressure to the five, to the goal line, he got in. The Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation present Center Court with Ralph Sampson. Uplift, empower, educate. Matt Schaub. Trying to put Weeks to the left as a receiver. He's in motion. They hand off Lundy. Lundy crashes. Lundy got in, I believe. Touchdown. Welcome back, Center Court Winner Circle oh. Network. Uh, Ralph enjoyed the visit with uh, with Matt Schaub. Really analytical guy, even though he doesn't like analytics, but very analytical in his approach to the game. It, it always was uh, impressive to watch him the way he thought a game. Uh, I had the, the fortune that when I was there at the time with him, he took me into a lot of film study and showed me things that I went, oh, this guy. And Al Groh, I remember Al Groh told me, 
this guy has it. You know, the IT. And when, when a coach says that, Ralph, I mean, they always said it about you. I mean, come on. But, but, but when you have it, that's a, that's a pretty high accolade. Well, Mike, football developed a little bit slower, especially back in that day where you had to be a red shirt. And, and, and you know, and we talked about that. So red shirt and develop and transition to that, to, you know, getting injured potentially and then coming back and then finding the right game at the right time. And saying, you know, I, I, I was impressed, they said, after the Florida State game, you're not going to ever take me out again. So he, his mindset clicked in. OK, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to play. And, you know, great guy, family guy, five kids. Uh, you know, UVA should be proud of, of Matt Shaw because he, he he's what UVA is about. Yeah, he's done a lot with, uh, I mean, you know, he's done so much with the foundation uh, that he had in Houston. And then, um, you know, his wife, they're, they're just in a lot of things in Atlanta. And now he's, and he's got options. I mean, he's got a lot of options now with, uh, you know, whether he will go into a front office. He could be a quarterback coach. With five kids, I don't see him being a coach, more of a general right. manager type. And, to be able to maybe look into broadcasting too, because you can find those, those openings and uh, you know, they're, they're out there. So anyway, just want to wish him the best of luck. It was great to to catch up with him. I wanted to ask him because Donnie Mikowski still lives in Atlanta too. Surely yeah. they've had a dinner or a lunch or something, you know, got together and, uh, and talk about things. So with all that being said, do you uh, go to a big Super Bowl party this week? Is it a big, a big uh, woo Are you just going to go watch it with mom and dad? Uh, I don't, I've been invited to a few. I don't know yet what I'm going to do, but <laughs> I'll be in front of a television somewhere watching Yeah, for sure. And um, hoping that, you know, maybe Cincinnati win. I think we'll go with the underdog because I think LA is, LA is uh, very strong. And, yeah. you know, they deserve a win. I was in LA before they built that arena out there. And then it's, it's, it looks amazing on television, but uh, you know, Cincinnati is like this sleeper team. You got to, and, and, and I'm sure they're underdog in, in, the, in, in the world, but uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take Cincinnati. Hey, Joe Burrow, he's got the he's got the Nike chain JB9, and he's wearing eight hundred dollar Cartier sunglasses. So he's the Hollywood guy, right? Hey, now. Hey, hey, now, now, you know, he needs to slow that down a little bit because he's not in LA, he's in Ohio. So you still gotta know where you are. Yeah, that's true. Hey, it's been fun. Good to catch up. We'll talk about Super Bowl when we come back. So uh have a great weekend, and I will see you in one week, and we'll recap the the big game, as they call it, Super 56. For Ralph Sampson, I'm Mac McDonald. And that's Center Court for this week. You've been listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Our podcast is available on the Believe Network at BLEAV.com. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. For more information, log on to SampsonFamilyFoundation.org. Uplift, empower, educate. Teamwork makes the dream work. Welcome to another round of Boardroom or Miro Board. Today we talk retrospectives with Agile Coach Maria. Let's go. First question. You've spent two hours in a team retro, but the only input you've heard is Dave's. Boardroom or Miro Board? Boardroom. In Miro, Dave can't hog the space because everyone can add thoughts anonymously, online, at the same time. Correct. Next. 
You need the team to act on feedback fast. So you turn all those retro notes into JIRA tasks instantly. Miro all the way. And I can assign those tasks to teammates. You're nailing this. Now, you see hundreds of sticky notes from the retro. A real mess. But you organize them into five themes in just seconds. Miro, I basically get back an entire hour when I use its AI tools for clustering. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people running actually enjoyable and actionable retros in Miro. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. Meet Gail. Her thing is being a supermom. And Supermom has a lot on her supersized plate. <laughs> Ain't that the truth. But at Walmart Pharmacy, Supermom recently got her whole family updated on all their vaccines. We knocked it out during a grocery run. No appointment. That's Next Level Supermom. From pneumonia to shingles, HPV, and more, get no-cost vaccinations from an expert pharmacist where you already shop. Welcome to an easier pharmacy. Welcome to your Walmart. $0 copay with most insurances. State age and health restrictions may apply.